Well, we're going through a uh, series right now that uh, I'm just calling Whom the Son Sets Free is Free Indeed. And the Lord, whenever He declared His ministry, we read about it in the Gospel of Luke when He took the scroll of Isaiah and He read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And He talks about setting captives free. Basically, you can sum up all that He says there by saying that He came to free us from our past so we can really live that abundant life that he has for us in the present and look forward to the future. And so today we're coming to our second uh, thing to be set free from, and that is addiction. Now, some of you, when I say the word addiction, you get a little uneasy because you're addicted and you know it. Uh, But there are others of you and you're addicted and you don't know it. But everyone uh, that is close to you knows it, and it's become a part of your life. It's a part of your culture. It's just what you do. In fact, it's just who you are. Now, that being said, how many of you know someone who's addicted to control? Let's see your hands. Okay. All right. Now then, uh, a lot of you know control freaks. Now, how many of you would be honest enough to say, you know what? That's me. I'm a control freak. Let's see. Okay. Got some honest people here. That's good. Okay. Now, don't point, though. That's not good. Okay. Uh, Anyone addicted to coffee or caffeine? Hold up your mug. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Here's the thing. We live in a world today that feeds our addictions. In fact, using the word feed reminds me of a conversation that Sharon and I had yesterday. They say that 60% of the people in the United States today are overweight. And we were just uh, talking about that and about why is that. And uh, one of the reasons why is because food is so readily available nowadays. Uh, you just get it. You just eat it. It's everywhere. I mean, they're just every corner. There's some sort of an eating establishment. Food is readily available. In the past, people had to work for it. I mean, grow it from the ground, get the grass rig out of the way and take it from there, you know. But nowadays, you just go and you get it. And uh, so food is so abundant and it's a blessing, but sometimes our blessings can wind up getting the best of us. And so, uh, uh, but that's just so many things are abundant and because they're so easily available, we wind up being addicted to them. In the United States, we've got this humongous opioid epidemic. If we would, if it wasn't available, we wouldn't have the addiction epidemic. There's so many things that are just so readily available. And being in this sort of a world, it makes us have to be, as Christians, mindful, mindful of who we're really supposed to serve, who and what is our Lord. Uh, so many of my goodness, we're addicted to greed materialism. We're addicted to money 
We're addicted to work. We're addicted to shoes. We're addicted to clothes. We're addicted to our appearance. Addicted to working out. Some people addicted to plastic surgery. Some to smoking. Uh, some to technology and games and uh, different things like that. TV. You know, there's so many things that can wind up ruling our lives. I've known some people that were addicted to what they called their stories uh, back in the day. It's okay. Some people know what they're what I'm talking about. Talking about the uh, soap operas, you know, like Days of Our Lives. You know those people's families as well as you know your own. So uh, anyway, so many things that we can become addicted to. Uh, food, sex, lust, pornography, gossip, complaining, negativity, other people. We have to be around other people. We need validation. We need approval. So many things to get addicted to. And I've chosen this passage from Genesis today because it just kind of brings it all together. You see, Cain and Abel were brothers Cain got mad at Abel and was about to kill him because Abel's sacrifice was found acceptable and Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable. And Cain got angry because God didn't accept his sacrifice and did Abel's. It's a rather strange thing when you first start looking at it as to what was going on here. But uh, what does Cain do or what he gets angry and uh, his countenance goes dark, it says. He's brooding. And so God says to Cain, Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And uh, he says, basically, Cain, you have a choice to make right now. What are you going to choose to do? But if you don't choose to do what is right. Sin is crouching at the door. If you don't choose to do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It's waiting to get you to the the word uh, uh, crouch comes from the Hebrew word robots or robats. And uh, it means to brood or to lurk down on all fours, just hiding behind the door, ready to pounce, ready to get you. Sin's crouching behind your door, Cain. Now, I want you to notice God cares about Cain. Even though Cain is angry, even though he's thinking about doing something bad, God cares about him and he comes to him and he warns him and Cain could care less what God thought. And to me, that just kind of depicts where a lot of our world is today. We know how we want to be. We know what ought to be acceptable to everybody. And no matter how I am, I ought to be acceptable to you and I ought to be acceptable to God, no matter what. And that is behind so much of what's wrong with our world today. 
because uh, I mean, well, anyway, I want to go, but you can see that. I'll let y'all go down that rabbit trail and we'll get back on track here. But the thing is, uh, we see in 2 Timothy 3, 3, where Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, but realize this in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self. It's me. I'm what matters. Basically, self becomes an idol. Anyway, uh, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, says avoid such people as these. Well, see, Cain was in this spot to where he wanted to be accepted by God and he wanted his offering to be accepted by God the way that he wanted it done. You see, Cain was making himself, putting himself in the position of God and wanted to tell God what to do. That sounds just like the devil, doesn't it? And that's, that's just it. The enemy can get hold of us. Sin crouches at the door, ready to get us. So the enemy knows your weaknesses. Make no doubt, have no doubt about that. He knows how to tempt you, and he's crouching, tempting you with whatever is going to appeal to you. Just like a, uh, a drug dealer will give you a taste just to see what it's like. So Satan will tempt you. Just one more drink, one more uh, charge on the credit card, uh, one more bite, one more piece of pie, you know, one more this, one more that. One more text message. I could just text her one more time. It's going to be okay. Uh, sin's crouching at the door. So what's the rest of the verse say? Genesis uh, 4, 7 says, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You must master it. And here's what I want you to know today. There is hope. Some of you struggle with the same addiction day after day, month after month, year after year. You've tried to be free from it, but you just haven't been able to. It's like this gravitational pull. It just keeps pulling you back every single time. With me smoking, it was like that. First time I quit, I just put it down and walked away. Then I started back. And there's a parable that the Lord tells about how uh, an evil uh, demon is cast out, evil spirits cast out, and it goes around and it walks around in dusty, dry places, and it comes back and it finds uh, the, uh, its abode all nice and clean. So it goes back in and brings seven of its brothers with it. Well, that's the second time I tried to quit smoking. I discovered that my smoking demon had company and it was really, really hard. In fact, I just, I prayed and prayed about it. And whenever I would try to quit, 
I would get so grouchy and I'd get just so uh, out of uh, just so no patience and I would, I would have to I was a pastor and uh, I was and I intended to quit when I went in the ministry that's another thing about it and so I put no I didn't smoke on my application form and so I'd lied you're going into the ministry even you know it was just horrible that's what sin does to that's what addictions do to you you, I didn't mean to lie. I really intended to quit, but I just could not. So anyway, it was a struggle, such a struggle. And uh, finally, the way that I finally quit was uh, I wound up about to die with acute infectious hepatitis. And I couldn't even feed myself. I couldn't even, and it was horrible. And all of a sudden I was laying there and I thought, you know, it says if you go without nicotine for 72 hours, the only addiction left is psychological. It's been over 72 hours now. If I live, I just won't start back. And I took that opportunity. And it's interesting that as my strength came back, so did my desire to smoke, but it was at a level that I could handle. And so that's the only way, that's how I quit smoking. Now, anyway, with it, 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 but it's in, in a way, I guess, acute infectious hepatitis was an answer to prayer because I had been praying and praying to stop and the Lord made a way. It was a tough way, but good came out of it. You know, Romans eight twenty eight sort of a thing going on there. All things work together for the good of the Lord. Uh, for those who are called according to his purposes. So anyway, I know what it's like to struggle with addiction. And uh, so I've got kind of an addictive personality. I was addicted to work. I was addicted to, and I'm still being set free from different things. And so I'm sharing from my heart on this stuff as I share it with you. In fact, uh, one of the reasons why I became a counselor was to help other people out of the pits that I found myself being helped out of by the Lord. And uh, I remember, uh, I'll get back to this a little bit, but whenever I was going through training, I had to attend, I think it was seven different kinds of uh, support groups for addictions. There's all different kinds of support groups. And so it was kind of hard to find when I remember one of the hospitals I was working in, they said they had an SA support group. I was thinking, Smokers Anonymous, you know, yeah, I can do that. I'll fit right in. I went in and sat down. You ever realize you were in the wrong room? <laughs> that S didn't stand for smoking. It standed for sex. And so I was in the, I was just sitting there and their conversation didn't mention tobacco at all. And so, uh, I just kind of left the room and went on about my business. But uh, anyway, and I've noticed that there have been other times that I found myself in the wrong room. And every time, somehow, it involved sexuality. That's really weird. Like I wound up, well, I won't go into all these other things. We'll just leave it. Let it those stories can wait till some other time. But the thing is, there is hope. And uh, I want to talk to you about, about it. So the very first thing, first thing is you've got to turn to God. If you want to master your addictions, turn to God. It sounds pretty simplistic, 
But let's dive into it. In Romans, the sixth chapter, the 12th through the 14th verses says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you should obey its evil desires. But rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. Offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. The Greek word for master is the word uh, kurio, kurieo. Uh, and it comes from uh, the same word that kurios which means Lord comes from. Whenever we say Jesus is Lord, and whenever it says Jesus is Lord in the New Testament, Lord is kurios. And so this is the same root word, kurios. And it means to master, to have dominion over, to be the ruler. And uh, so it means uh, that uh, he's saying here, sin should not rule your life. And, you know, this is just it. Things that in moderation are good can become sin in excess or if you let them start to control you. So sin should not have dominion over who you are. And sin should not be your Lord. And so here's my question for you. Who or what is your Lord? This morning, a song just came into my heart, and I'm not going to sing it, not going to hurt you with my singing as far as your ears go, but the first line of the song, it's, it's from Scripture. It's from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. In that first you, what would you plug in? Would you plug in the Lord or would you plug in something else? And it goes on down in the song. It says, you alone are my strength and shield. To you alone does my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire. And I long to worship thee. The only one that should be in that place is our Lord Jesus. Anything else that we put in that place as our strength and our desire is idolatry. And that's whenever it becomes a sin. Whenever you have to, a bottle of alcohol can become a crutch. Jesus drank wine, but wine can become a crutch. So you see, uh, whatever it is, that you put first to draw your strength, your identity, your life from. That's your Lord. And so the only one that you should allow to be your Lord is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So who and what is your Lord? Gut level honesty. Who or what do you worship? Who or what do you bow down to every single day? Who or what sits on the throne of your life? Who or what determines your schedule? Who do you worship? Maybe some of you, it's worry. We talked about worry uh, you know, last week. Worry can become something that is... Uh, no, we talked about bitterness last week and worry the week before that. Worry can become something that you can become addicted to. 
Some of you, it may be smoking, others overeating. It may be pornography. Maybe it's a person that you can't just uh, get uh, free from. Uh, maybe your Lord is comfort or money or some, for some people it's security, uh, approval, so many different things. Who or what is your Lord? Now, in Acts, the third chapter, I mean, the third, Acts 3, uh, 19th verse, it says, Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Repent, turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. That's what we're supposed to do if you've got something that you're addicted to is repent, turn from it to God. But you know what a lot of us do? We repent and we turn to God, but then we turn right back around to that thing we're addicted to again. We start out and then we turn back around. We think we repent. God, forgive me. Forgive me for overspending. I promise you I'm going to throw those credit cards away. Uh, we turn to God. No, you turn to overspending. You know, there's just, uh, forgive me for looking at pornography. It's ruining my life. It's ruining my marriage. God, forgive me for doing that. We turn to God, but right back around to pornography. It's like this gravitational pull that just keeps pulling at us and just can't get away. Here's what it says. Repent and turn to God. And Satan is going to whisper in your ear, if you let go of that, you're going to die. And you know, that's what Jesus has called us to do, to take up your cross, die to self, and follow him daily. So as then it goes on and it says, so times of refreshing will come from the Lord. We need to be refreshed, don't we? Some of you, you just need peace. Some of you, you need freedom. You're tired of being ruled by whatever it is. And you just want to be set free. And uh, I want to encourage you to turn to God today and just say, today is the day. God, it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard work. But every moment of every day when I'm addicted, I'm going to turn to you. Second point, James 5.16, and this is the basis of nearly all recovery programs. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. First, confess. You're the first five steps in AA or in the 12 steps program. We admitted we were powerless over our problems that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and listen to this, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. So number one, we confess, and then we pray. Pray not just for yourself, but you're supposed to confess to someone else so you can pray for each other. A Christian brother or a sister or a group, uh, uh, someone that can keep a confidence, and uh, somebody that will pray for you. 
and will meet with you regularly because you're not going to be free from addiction generally. God can and God does miraculously set people free. But with most of us, it is a process. It's a healing process. Do these things that you may be healed. It's ongoing. And as you do so, you wind up uh, uh, getting better and better. So uh, it may be meeting with a, in a group. You know, that's why so many support groups are around nowadays, because there's confidentiality. There's that other person, and it's scriptural. It may be some just a, a good friend that you know you can trust, that they're struggling with something too, and you can struggle together and pray for one another. They may be long distance and it's just a telephone chat, but you've got to have some other person that you're confessing to and praying for. Uh, so why we do all this stuff is so that we may be healed. And here's my next question for you. Do you want to be healed? Do you want, I mean, really? Because until you're really ready to be healed, you're not going to wind up getting healed. One of the most recommended books in alcohol recovery is I'll Quit Tomorrow. Because it sounds like a really good idea, but just not yet. There's this cartoon I keep running across. It says it's got a bunch of these like fish or frog stick figures. And there's a leader saying, what are we? And this group of them says, fat. And then the other one says, and what are we going to do about it? And then the other group, others in the group say, exercise and uh, diet and exercise. And then she says, or he has whatever this thing is, says, oh, when are we going to start? And they say, Monday. And then the leader says, today is Monday. They all say, next Monday. And that's the way it goes. Right now is not a good time, but tomorrow, that'll be a good day to get started. The thing is, how many of you want to be healed? Step number six in the 12 steps is we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. You've got to be ready. Okay, if you want to master the addictions in your life, on a scale of 1 to 10, you have to be at a 10. At you to 5, not going to happen, I guarantee you. Are you going to keep living the way you are living? Think about it. How long have you been struggling? Uh, how long are you going to continue? Some people, it may be one year, two years, three years. How, many, how much further down the road are you going to put up with this? What's going to happen to you and what's it going to do to your body in the process if you continue on that same road, which is really a downward spiral? What's going to happen? You can't do it by yourself. You can't. Don't believe the lie that you can handle it on your own. So who will you share your struggle with? If you want to master your addictions, the first thing, turn to God. The next thing, confess to one another. And then the last thing is uh, fight for freedom. Fight for freedom. For though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does, Paul says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. You see, God has given us weapons for us to use. And they're not like guns or knives or nunchucks or Chinese throwing stars. They're weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. And here's the thing. We've got to face it. We're in a battle. It's a battle of life and death. And so many people uh, wind up being casualties in the battle. The enemy wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to isolate you. So just like that drug dealer that gives you just a little bit, just a little bit of porn, just a little bit of a new credit card or a little bit more food or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. He just gives you a little bit and then he walks away smiling and watching you and thinking, wow, now I'm just going to sit and watch them destroy themselves. He only has to do so much and then you'll do the rest on your own. But God has given us weapons. And the first one is utter dependence on God. You think hydrogen bombs are powerful? God's more powerful than that. He's our first weapon against the enemy. Utter dependence on him. We can't depend on ourselves. We admitted we're there, that we're powerless. That's the first thing you have to do. And discovered that you can turn to God and he'll help you. The next weapon is confidence in the Lord and in his word. It's easy to forget how powerful our Lord is and how powerful his word is. We can get distracted. This book, this book right here, it points to the one who can save, who can heal, who has the power to change you, who has the power to just uh, remove the spiritual blindfold that you might be wearing. But if you keep away from it, you'll never know the power that he is pointing to and that is pointed to through this book. Now, let me say right here, you can get addicted to Bible study. There's, you can get addicted to just about anything as long as you're not yielding to the Lord first. The last weapon, weapon is militant prayer. You're in a fight for your life and you need to pray in a hard, tough way. The enemy has been killing, killing and stealing and destroying, but you don't have to fight him alone. Prayer is how you bring God into the battle. You yield to him and then you pray to him. Pray strongly from the depth of your soul. God, it's by your stripes that I'm healed. God, you tell me that you brought me through the fire and the water and you're going to set me on high. Set me on high, God. Give me the strength to be free from this, whatever it might be. Give me the strength. Give me the strength to walk away or to put it down. Give me the strength to share this struggle I'm in with someone else. Some of you just need to fall on your knees because you've struggled so long and you're hurting so bad and you just can't do it by yourself. You just need to fall on your knees and raise your hands and say, God, help me. When you get to that point, you'll find he's there. 
and he will, as you yield to him, set you free. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I pray that you would give us strength. I pray that you would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.